0: Good morning. If you could find your seats so we can get started. Before I even go any further, I've got to do this. I've got to thank Shelby and Tamara for their obedience. Um, They have no idea what I was going to speak about today, and neither did I until about Tuesday. Uh, But... They have set us up perfectly for today, and I'm so grateful for that. So thank you very much. But thank you for being here. More importantly, thank you for being with us. But more importantly, thank you for getting up this morning and choosing to be with God. Right? We're just people, but God's everywhere. Um, As you can see, Pastor Jeff is not here. Um, It got him. (laughs) COVID's out there still. Thank goodness it's not as bad as it used to be, but he is recovering from COVID. He is getting healthier each day. And... uh, he misses you all, and I'll please be praying for him. I know your prayers would be greatly appreciated. As many of you know in here, and I just say it because I don't know who doesn't know, but my name is Jerry Roberts, and my wife Becky, who's sitting right here in the second row, here support me today. We're the youth directors here at RLC, and believe it or not, we've been doing it for 21 years. Blows my mind. Um, we've been blessed beyond measure that God has allowed us to lead the youth and impact hundreds of lives during this time, but we could not have done it with lots of different people without the pastors and elders of this church, and most importantly, without the team members who've given themselves through sacrifice to serve the youth throughout the years, and there's been many of them who've come and gone, and, and God is pouring out on them because of what they've poured into children, so thank you so much, and thank you to those leaders. You guys are greatly appreciated, more than you'll ever know. Well, this morning, I have the honor and privilege to share the message with you, and like you said, I found out Tuesday night that I'd be doing this, and usually I have a couple months. Um, so this is much different preparation than it's ever been, but it's awesome to see God's faithfulness when you, when you make yourselves available to him. Um, I did some things in this preparation that I've never done before. I still went to my kids' games. I still did the things I did because I believed that God was going to reward me for being with my family. And um, even though I was up till one o'clock last night, it's done. (laughs) And it's here for you today. So uh, please, uh, before we get started, let us pray. Uh, Dear Lord, I just thank you, Lord. I thank you, One Lord, that you built this building, Lord, and that this church is yours, Lord. We thank you that your spirit's in it, Lord. Right now, we ask that you be with Pastor Jeff and his family, Lord. Allow them to to heal and be whole again. Allow them to be refreshed and anew. Lord, but as I speak today, Lord, I ask that my voice be your voice, Lord, that your words come out of me, Lord, to change lives today and forever, Lord. And we'll be sure to give you all the praise and the honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we go forward today, you Shelby sung some songs, and one of them talked about bowing, and one of them talked about raising our hands, and tomorrow talked about worship, or, or worry, excuse me. And I just want you to just t- tuck those in your head, Because they're going to come out throughout today, and none of us, one, we didn't even know this was going to happen, but two, none of us talked about it, because that's how God arranges things, because he's so good, and he's so faithful. Um, So my question is, like I always start, I'm a teacher, that's what I do, right? Does anybody have any worries in their lives? (laughs) Right? We've got worries in our lives, right? Well, today's message is titled, Worship Through the Worry, all right? So I'm going to ask, I'm like interactive here with a shout-out type of thing. What are some of our worries? Tamara listed some of them, but who's got some worries out there? Shout it out. Everybody laughed and said they did, but nobody wants to admit it. Come on. What Health. Thank you, health. Children. Children absolutely. absolutely. Work. Right? Parents. Errands. Parents. Parents. Absolutely. You don't even want to know the phone call I had yesterday. <laughs> My parents are back there. They're hilarious. But anyways, (laughs) it was very good. Yes, but we got finances, employment, health, children. There are so many worries we have. But I'm not aware of God not being with us during the worry. He's never checked out. He's never walked away. But it takes for us to check in. Right? So as we go forth, we got to look at what worry is. Worry is a couple different things here. To think about problems or fears. We can do that a lot, can't we? To feel or show fear and concern because you think that something bad is going to happen or could happen. So it's a thought. It's not even something that's actually taking place. right? But there's some different ways to look at it. Joyce Myers has got a definition Cause she's raw and we get along really well, right? To torment, to torment oneself with disturbing thoughts. Now, when we think about worry, is that what we do? The shoulda, coulda, wouldas, the what ifs, all those things that come in, all right? To torment our, oneself with disturbing thoughts. Why would we want to do that? Does anyone worry about good things? No. Right? I don't think we worry or have anxiety in a fashion where it produces fruit. When you worry, is fruit being produced? Because that's, a, that's what God says is the measure of all things, is what fruit are we producing? Worry doesn't pr- produce good fruit. Does anybody eat rotten fruit here? Right? I've still got tomatoes growing. Not Matt, Becky's still got tomatoes growing in her garden. <laughs> all right? Some of them are starting to rot. We're not going to eat those ones. Well, I'm not going to eat any of them, but but we're not going to eat those because they're not good fruit. That's what that torment is. It's not good fruit. So why would we go along with it? This worry, this torment, these thoughts, they've got to go. And today we're going to talk about some of the ways they can. But before we do, I've got some entertaining thoughts about what worry is. These are some quotes. Some of them are taken from Joyce Meyer's book, Battlefield of the Mind. Worrying is using your imagination to create something you don't want. Think about it. If we don't want it, why are we thinking about it? But that's what we're doing, right? There are some people in life who have to think this way, All right? I don't, I don't know if you actually know this. This is factual, All right? After 9-11, right, when we did with the unthinkable happened, right, planes got crashed into big buildings. What they did is they brought in movie producers from Hollywood to the defense team, and they sat down and said, think up the worst things you can think. Because movie producers are some of the craziest minds there are. And they sat down with them and said, if this happened, what else could possibly happen? And they sat down with them. They, they were told to create this, right? But this isn't something we want to do in our minds every day, is create things that we really don't want, right? Goes on to say a different one, right? Worry is a down payment on a problem you, know, you may never have. If you're never going to drive the car, are you going to put a down payment on it? No. So why we we giving worry so much of our mind when it may never even happen? Right? There's another one right here. If you know how to worry, then you know how to meditate. It means thinking of something over and over and over. Thank you. Yeah, that's what I did. I said, Wow. Right? If we meditated on God's word as much as we worry, where would we be? Right? You know, Pastor Jeff gave us that challenge a couple of weeks ago. Is if we would pick up our phone and we'd think about God as much as we pick up our phone, where would we be? If we meditated on God's word as much as we worry, where would we be? We'd be in a whole different place. And then this last one. I think it's funny, we don't really even see this anymore, right? And what I say meaning is, is rocking chairs. Worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. Right? You can sit there and you can push your foot off the floor all day long. And you can rock yourself to sleep. But what do we get, where are we going in the end? We're not really going anywhere. All right, so we've got a good idea of worry he is here. But there are many words in the Bible that coincide With the word worry, fear, anxiety, anxiousness, being afraid. Being a teacher in a school now, the word anxiety and anxious are are unbelievably all over the place. It's like something we deal with every single day. And before, it never used to be that way. Now, I can't explain why. That's not my job. But I can tell you there's a whole lot of it out there. All right? All right. But when we even look more more deeply, interestingly, interestingly, the word worry comes from an old English word that means to strangle. Take a second and think about the correlation between the word strangle and worry. Worry strangles our peace of mind, our enjoyment of life. It's a direct connection between fear and worry. Worry. We often get clouded by the what-ifs of the world that strangle out our joy, our peace, our confidence in God and his promises. Worry strangles the life out of us and can bring us to a point where we can't continue on. We need to work on striking the negative what-ifs out of our heads and be reminded by what God's word says. Matthew six twenty-seven in the voice says, Worrying does not do any good. Who here can claim even an hour of his life by worrying? We can't. Worrying's not gonna get us any further down the road. It's not gonna make us any better. It's not gonna get us, there's nothing good about it. But we find ourselves doing it so very often. All right? Worry is negative to our health. It can lead to heart problems, fatigue, breathing problems, shaking increased blood pressure, and many, many other symptoms that do not allow us to live the healthy life that God has for us. Another scripture about worry is Philippians 4.6. Do not be anxious about things. Instead, pray. Pray about everything. He longs to hear your request, so th- talk to God about your needs and be thankful for what has, has to come. He wants us to come to him when we're nervous. And he wants us to be thankful for what's to come. But it's up to us to check in, like I talked about earlier today. Matthew 6, 33 and 34 says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. That's it. We look for keys to life. That's it. Seek the kingdom above all else. Some, some versions say, seek the kingdom first, all right? So then it goes on to say, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today, right? If we're thinking about tomorrow, we might not get through today. We could be so distracted by the worries in our life that are down the road that we might not even be able to enjoy what's going on today. I knew this this as of Tuesday night, I knew this was looming to be here today to talk to you was looming over my head and I've been praying about it and everything but honestly, as of yesterday morning at about 12 o'clock, I had nothing on a piece of paper. It was looming over but I sought God first as soon as I knew it and I wasn't going to give up my son's first cross-country race because I knew God wanted me to be there. And I knew that yesterday evening after I dinner with my family and I came home from the church. And please, I'm not doing this. I'm just giving you examples that I was here working on this. I said, you know what? I'm going to go home and eat with my family. I'm not going to be by myself. And I ate with my family. And then I went outside and was able to just refresh and play a little bit of lacrosse with my son. Then I sat back down and God gave me everything I needed. Because God wants me to give him, but he also has for me to take care of my family as well. So he's good in that. Where we know he's going to provide, he'll give us opportunities to do the things that we need to do as well. So what we need to do, what we see in these last two scriptures, is God tells us exactly what we need to do. We need to seek the kingdom, and we need to pray. Easy to say, but often hard to do, if we're being honest. But let's think about it. Anytime our hearts or minds are fixed on the thousands of things that ultimately we have no control over, we are determining the direction of our lives. Our lives eventually will become about the things we worry about. They'll end up occupying our thoughts, decisions, actions, and our health. So we have a choice: will we worry or will we worship? I believe worry is overrated and it gets way too much credit. So I'm going to choose to worship, and I'll hope that you will too. So when you think about a worshiper in the Bible, who are you drawn to? I know there are many worshipers in the Bible. We can talk about Paul and Silas in prison. We can talk about King David writing the Psalms. But ultimately, the best worshiper in the Bible is Jesus in the way that he worships his Father in heaven. Following his commands, living a life not of his own will, but for the will of his Father. What an example we have in Jesus. So as we move from this idea of worry to worship, we have Jesus an example by the way he lived. However, today we're going to talk about worship in a different, in a different light. Worship is not does not have just a one-word meaning. There are actual several Hebrew meanings for the word worship and what they re- represent. And we're going to work through three of them today that will help us seek first the kingdom through worship so that we can get our eyes off the worries of the enemy wants to trip us up with. The first of the three Hebrew worship words we're going to talk, work through today is a word called yada. Many of us have, how many of us have heard this word before? Now, I know Shelby has because she read the same book that I did. (laughs) All right. There's a great book out there uh, by Chris Tomlin who goes through these. Um, And because she's got a heart of worship, it was important to her. But it's not often that this word easily floats through our vocabulary, but it's a word that some of us often do. The meaning of Yada is to revere or worship with extended hands to hold out our hands. This raising of the hands can be found 114 times in the King James Bible, according to scholars. Now, I'm getting into some sticky areas here, but please remember, these are not my words. This is what's written in the good book. Before we go any further, I want us to think about the places and times we raise our hands to ask a question, to get somebody's attention, to give somebody a high five in celebration. But these last two examples are the ones that drove home the hand-raising concept for me. When we surrender to an authority, we raise our hands to show surrender and turn ourselves completely over to him with no fight. Another example that caught my attention is Someone who wants to be picked up, such as a small child in front of their parents who wants to be hugged. As a parent, what a feeling it is when your children were young and they came up to you and raised their hands and asked you to pick them up. It was often, this often happened at a time when they wanted to feel secure. When I am in a state of worry and it's occupying my mind, it's good to know that I can reach out to God And he can make me feel secure. When I take my focus off the worry and focus it towards God, I can change my attitude of worry into an attitude of worship. Now let's get back to the word yada. Think about what our body posture is saying when we're portraying to God, when we're raising our hands in worship. Lord, I surrender to you. I need your help. I need your care. I can't do this on my own. This is the opposite of what worry does when it strangles us. The raising of hands through worship, we surrender all our worries to God, realizing that he is faithful and true, and and he works all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. This reflects his goodness and brings life to us rather than death. Here's what David had to say. In the Psalms. Psalm 63, 4. So I bless you as long as I live in your name. I will lift my hands. Right? He gives us that example. David was a man of ups and downs. Not perfect. And made some huge mistakes. But I want to be like David. Look at what God had to say about him. In Samuel thirteen and Acts thirty-two or thirteen it says, and when he was disposed, when he disposed of him, he's talking about Saul, he raised up David to be their king. Of him he bore witness and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do and all who will do all my will and carry out my program fully. If God is, says that David is a man after his own heart, then that's something I want to be. And if David is raising his hands to the Lord, then I'm surely going to follow his example. After all, praising God is what we're created to do, as it says in Isaiah. Isaiah 43:21 says, My people, the ones who I've chose and created for my own, will sing my praise. That's what we're created to do. And then it goes on further in in Psalms. It says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Now I'm looking at you all here. Everybody's breathing. So we all got work to do. Okay. Part of God's great plan is he created us to praise and worship him. So I'm still breathing and it looks like I have some worshiping to do. If praise and worship is a part of God's plan, then I want to be part of it. After all, why, practice, why not practice here on earth? Because worship will be a huge part of what we do in heaven. So one way to worship through the worry is to lift our hands and surrender. Reach out to God, the one who has all the answers, take, can take care of your burdens, the one who can give you peace and provide you with strength. Who can say an amen to that? The second part of worship that I want to speak about is a word called shabak. To answer in a loud tone, to shout, to com- commend glory and triumph. Let's think about some times where we shout. We shout to get somebody's attention. We shout to keep somebody safe. We shout to celebrate, right? Who shouted during a football Bills game last week? Right? Yeah, thank you. Some of you, I couldn't shout at the Raiders game last week. I'm sorry. I was shouting, but it might not have been that good. But we shout at some really silly things. We shout at people in cars when they're driving by us. Right? We often shout. There are several scriptures that show what Shabbat, a shout, can do. Let's take a look at Joshua and Jericho. The captain of the Lord's host explained to Joshua what he was to do to take Jericho. Joshua was to send his soldiers of Israel marching around Jericho one time a day for the next six days. All right, let's stop right there. I was in the Marines. I had rifles. I was prepared for war. There was never once where they said, hey, go march around the place and don't do anything and we'll take it. Right, so first of all, what they're saying here doesn't even make any sense. Can build a lot of fear, can build a lot of worry, can build a lot of anxiety, right? So march around the walls one time a day for the next six days. The priests were to go behind the soldiers blowing seven trumpets of the ram's horn before the ark. Then on the seventh day, the host was to compass the city seven times while the priests blew the trumpets. At the completion of this, they were to make a loud blast with their trumpets and all the people were to shout. What happened after that was the walls of Jericho fell down flat. The soldiers entered the city and destroyed and burned everything. Has anybody ever shouted at anything and had it fall over? Right? I was actually watching Dude Perfect this week with my kids and they were seeing if you could sing and get a piece of glass to break at the same time. It could actually be done, believe it or not, which was pretty cool. But that's the only thing that I've seen a shout or a sing or, or, or a song break is glass. But I've never seen walls fall down, especially fortified walls, right? So the soldiers entered the city, destroyed it, and burned everything. God has given us the ability through the Shabbat, the shout, the shout for victory. The army's shout brought down the walls, and the army's obedience brought them the victory. If they just would have said, there's no way we're going to march around this place, there's no way we're going to shout and take this place, then they wouldn't have been able to see what God was able to do. But it was their obedience and trust in God that allowed them to do it. Where are we not being obedient? Where are we not trusting God? Where are we letting worry come in? Another example is in Psalms 98. 98. It says, shout to the earth, excuse me, shout to the Lord, all the earth. Break out in praise and sing for joy. That's exactly what we did this morning. Right? Shabbat means to shout, and according to Strong's Hebrew dictionary, that shout can be translated as a war cry. How many of us sometimes feel like we're in war or when we're in worry? We've got a battle in front of us. We can shout to the Lord. And that's our war cry. If a war cry can bring down the walls of Jericho, think about it, what it can do to the worry in our lives. If we are shouting to the Lord for victory, there is no way we can focus on the worry that we may have in our, our, our minds all tied up. There's another word that goes along with shabak it's the wor- and, and shout. It's the word rout, R-O-U-T, which means to move, Noisily, confuse, make a noise, discomfort, break, consume, crush, destroy, or trouble. By shouting to the Lord, we can foil the enemy's attempt to hinder us in our worry. A praise shout is a weapon of spiritual warfare. Right now, you may be sitting here distracted, not focused, worrying about something for this afternoon. So we're going to take a second, and we're going to refocus by shouting the Lord. Everybody ready? Right? I'll I'll demonstrate before I even go, all right? uh, Bob, you might want to turn my mic down here because I might get a little loud. But dear Lord, we just thank you for everything, Lord. You are so good. You are faithful. You are true. You provide our strength, Lord. We thank you so much for who you are and what you do in our lives, Lord. Thank you for the peace, joy, and happiness you give us. Thank you, Father. We ready? Let's go. Ready? One, two, three. Dear Lord, you are so good, Lord. You are wonderful, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are faithful. You are true, Lord. You are amazing, Lord. Thank you for the strength, peace, joy, happiness that you give us, Lord. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Lord. Jesus, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Just a time to refocus, right? Just a little second to get us back on track. God's word says in Isaiah, that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. God has you here today, and he's giving you a weapon of worship. The last worship word that I want to share with you today is barak, which is a posture of praise. The word means to kneel, to bless God as an act of adoration, to praise, to salute, and to thank Let's do that thinking exercise again. When are times we kneel down or we salute? When I was in the Marines, I had to salute officers because they were senior in rank to myself. I was showing them respect and honor. Sometimes people kneel when they're surrendering. I remember seeing Iraqi soldiers during the Persian Gulf War kneeling on the ground when the U.S. soldiers arrived because they were surrendering. So the word barak means to kneel down in praise. Another word that falls under the same category is shakeshua, which means to bow down. Now think about where we were this morning. Tamara talked about worry. The first song that Shelby talked about, the second line of it, says we shall bow down. And then the second song talked about raising our hands. God's so very good. For all these postures of worship, raising our hands, shouting to the Lord, bowing or kneeling before God, entitle two things. One, humility. We won't do this if we're not humble. And the second is understanding the honor that we need to show God. I remember when Becky and I started attending this church 21 years ago. I was a baby Christian, first, just saved at 25 years old. And it wasn't even this building, it was the other building. And I didn't know a whole lot about God, but I knew that I need to surround myself with godly men. Men who I could learn from, follow their examples, and even when it was really uncomfortable. Men like Joe Pelosi, Tom Millard, Vince Heck, and Pastor Gabe and Pastor Jeff. I couldn't really relate to Pastor Gabe and Pastor Jeff back then because I thought they were at a whole different level. I'm like, they're supposed to do that. So I had to find people who were similar to me and follow their example. And these three men, without even knowing it, poured in my life just by their actions. These men were worshipers, and they loved Jesus. I remember being at praise and worship, singing the song "Here I Am to Worship," and that song, the lyrics go, "Here I am to bow down." And when those lyrics were sung, all three of those men bowed in reverence. And I had never seen that before myself. I had never seen hand raising, and I had never seen bowing down to God. When I was 25 years old, there's nothing that I ever thought I was going to do, but I wanted what those men had. So I had to do what Pastor Jeff says. I had to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And I remember being concerned about who was going to look at me and what they were going to say and what they were going to think. But I wanted the God that those men had, and I wanted it then. That day, I truly postured my heart solely to God and showed him his reverence and honor. And that has shaped my worship for God ever since. Bowing to God in worship, allows me to show him his worth for me. And I thank Shelby for giving us the opportunity to do that this morning before I even came up here. Psalms 95, 6 and 7 says, So let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker in reverent praise and supplication. For he is our God and we are his people and his pastor in the sheep of his hand. It's what we're to do. Goes on and flipped the different scripture in Philippians said, So God raised him from the highest place and gave him the name above all names, so that when his name is called, every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, and below. Every tongue will confess Jesus, the anointed one, is Lord to the glory of God our Father. If we don't do it willingly, it's going to happen anyways. <laughs> it's going to happen anyways. I don't want to ask why. I don't want to be the one who was like, God says, hey, why didn't you do it before? I want to have that, that already answered. Our Father in heaven has a desire for us to show him reverence and honor through our actions, words, as we can see here in these two scriptures. Once again, when worry rushes in like a flood and tries to overwhelm us and fill our minds, we can use these tools of worship to cast it away. You can't, we can't, I can't worry and worship at the same time. We can't physically do it. Everybody said we can multitask and do all these things. You can't worry and worship at the same time. So we have a choice. But when we humble ourselves and surrender ourselves to God, we can, by getting on our knees, we can wipe That spirit of worry away. As most of us know, Queen Elizabeth went on to be with the Lord this past week. And as usual, when a person of importance passes away, details about their lives surface. I was blown away at a quote that came from the Queen this week as a true example of humility and reverence. The Queen once told some reporters, I wish Jesus would come back in my lifetime. When asked why, she said, because I want to place my crown before his feet. The fact that the queen here on earth had a desire to place her crown before the king of kings and the Lord of lords is true worship. What an example to us all. A person who had all authority on earth desired to take her crown off and place it before Jesus rather than be worshipped herself. Amazing. We can learn so much. So today, God has provided us with spiritual tools of worship that can help us fight the battle of worry that most of us face each and every day. We have three different ways to do it. We have yada, to raise our hands in worship and reverence. We have Shabbak, which is to shout in glory and victory. And we have Barak, to kneel and praise. And we have Sheikh Shada to bow. So as a school teacher, I teach in three-step process. I explain what we're going to do, or I teach it. And that's what I've done. Then I demonstrate. And throughout today, I've demonstrated what we're raising our hands and lifting our voices. But then I follow with participation. Because until we practice it, we don't get it. So this morning, I'm going to invite Shelby on up here. Shelby's agreed to give us two more praise and worship songs this morning. I truly believe that if we combine all three of these aspects of worship together, raising our hands, shouting to the Lord, and kneeling at his feet, chains can be broken. Your issue today might not be worry. It could be addiction, gossip, loneliness, healing, or whatever may be out there that you need. God has the ability to meet you right where you're at. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Please, let's just bow our heads. There will be some of you here today who will be very comfortable with this, and there will be some of you who will be very uncomfortable. Let's just remember Jesus was not comfortable when he was on the cross. But he was willing to be uncomfortable for us. There are some people here today who have to turn their worries over to God. And now you have the opportunity to do this through the words of worship we've learned today. We have heard this morning that God desires, what God has desires us to do it is up to us through obedience to make it happen. If you are struggling with ideas of raising your hands in surrender, shouting to the Lord, or bowing and kneeling before him, I would ask you during this time of worship to allow God to search your heart and ask why. Is it about you or is it about God? When we worship, we must posture ourselves toward God. We want to worship him with the right heart. That right heart is a sold-out heart for God. There may be some of us who as we come to worship, we got to ask for forgiveness before we can even start to worship. But he's there for that too. When the music begins, we believe God is going to have breakthroughs in people's lives. Let's worship the Lord. Let's release the worries. Please worship as God directs you and let God do the rest. Would you please?